Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. All right, Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. Let's move as fast as we can. It says, And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to lose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much. Because no one was worthy to open and to read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to lose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood the lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God. And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, Atalamativikishis, and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we go into your word, let the revelation of our priesthood, our assignment, our privileges in you, let it be exposed like never before so that we can grow and be strengthened in this revelation and our world will be better for it. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Say loud, amen. amen. Um, now you may please be seated. What you read in Revelation chapter 5 is so powerful and so significant. So there is this scroll, and you may not really understand the significance, of, the significance of it, but you know that it's very important. Because the call was made, who is worthy to open these scrolls and to look therein? And the Bible says, no one was found worthy in heaven or on earth to open the scrolls, to lose his seven seals. No one was found worthy. Of all the intelligentsias of the world, despite all the world powers, all the people who, who have loaded bank accounts, none was worthy. All the greats in battle, none was worthy. And John said he began to weep because no one was worthy. And then someone came to him and said, stop weeping. He says, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. So this lion has done for humanity what it couldn't do for herself. Did you hear what I'm saying? You know, so now, here's the interesting thing. He says, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. 
and verse 6, it says, Then I looked. What was I looking to see? A lion, because it says the lion has prevailed. But when I looked, what did I see? In the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a what? So, there was a lamb, not just a lamb, but a lamb that, lamb that was slain. You said there was a lion. So I had a picture of a fierce conqueror. Someone strong, someone mighty, someone who could exert his strength on weaker people or weaker kingdoms. But instead, I saw a lamp. Listen, so this is the picture of a lion in the realm of the spirit. This is the picture of victory. This is the picture of strength in the realm of the spirit. What is the picture? Sacrifice. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. This is a redefinition of the concept of strength. I looked to see a lion. I saw a lamb. Not just a lamb, a lamb that was slain. And from the worship, the contents of the worship, the lyrics of the worship of the four living creatures and 24 elders, you can tell why the lamb was worthy. No need for assumption. They tell you why. It says you are worthy, verse 9, to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? Because you were slain. It turned out Jesus knew what he was saying when he was redefining the concept of leadership of his disciples. And he said, the Gentiles, they lord it over people. He says, but he who will be the greatest amongst you will be your servant. Service is the picture of greatness in the realm of the spirit. And I've taught you this before. In Christ, is not just a message to believe, but an example to emulate. So, the principle of salvation is the same principle of service and of ministry. What am I saying? What do I have to see to be saved? I have to see that Jesus died for me. He rose again for me. So I hear that, I believe it, I'm saved. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But then, it is not just a message to believe and be saved. It's an example to emulate. In Philippians 2, 5, it says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. Don't just benefit from the prov provision. Learn the mindset behind the provision. What is, what is it with provision? Maybe I didn't have enough in boarding house. It's okay now. Provision, provision, provision. All right. Don't just benefit from the provision. Adopt the mentality behind it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ who did not consider equality with God something to be held on to for his own advantage. He was not self-serving. He was not self-seeking. He humbled himself, took on the form of a servant. Humbled. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, wherefore, God also has what? 
highly exalted him, giving him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. He said, let that mind be in you. So I don't view the details of salvation from a consumer mindset. Ah, he died for me. That's for babies. The provision of salvation challenges me to do same. So now he's my high priest. He has gone in for me. He has opened the seven scrolls. But it doesn't stop there. He says, and he has made us kings and priests to our God. Did you hear me? So he's not just high priests. He has made us priests and kings. This is a different perspective to Christianity. 99% of Christians don't understand this. And that's why it seems like the power of God is not as manifest in his church as it should. And the reason is simple. When the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse then becomes inevitable. Listen, what I'm showing you tonight, if you will practice it, ah, the things you have been pursuing, the blessings you have been pursuing will pursue you. You know, these days, I just look at God and, and I'm like, what, what are you after? Have you not done enough? You know, I preached a sermon on Sunday on counting your blessings. And I wanted to obey the instruction I myself gave. So I just sat down to take some stock. And I, and I did something that I almost never do. I said, how much do I have? I'm saying this for a reason. And then I realized the money that I have out, you know, maybe loaning to people, was my entire worth September last year. Did you hear what I said? You know, so now, what I was worth months ago, I can give to help people. It almost blew my mind. And Apart from the fact that, of course, um, I was grateful to God because you don't even really know and appreciate what God is doing until you sit back and take stock. But I, I now I began to question, like, God, let me tell you this. I have never prayed for money since I got born again. That I, in a prayer meeting, Lord, money, never. It doesn't mean I wasn't broke. There is something, some of you, what I'm teaching you, you already knew intrinsically by the lessons of the Spirit. You just ignored it. I just want to make aware something that has been your experience, but you have not emphasized because nobody taught you. Has it ever happened that, you know, you came to the place of prayer loaded with prayer points, and then the things that God was asking you to pray was totally different. Somehow, you wanted to pray. You were determined, you know, you had been waiting for that time of prayer. I will ask for this. But you got there and, you know, even to ask felt so petty. I'm about to show you why. It's because God has always had a deeper calling for your life. 
<laughs> I want to teach you tonight on the man God uses. The man God uses. A teaching on priesthood, biblical priesthood. The man God uses. So he said he has made us a kingdom of priests and kings. And so he tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into what? It's a different mentality. Listen, the mentality of sonship, the mentality of adoption, and the mentality of priesthood are two different things. Service is the purpose of adoption. Priesthood is the purpose of adoption. You are not made sons just to feel good about it, even though it's a great feeling. There's a responsibility that comes with it. And if you don't understand it, your impact will be so limited. Let's see, for instance, one way to help you see this is to help you see how the experience of the children of Israel foreshadowed what we have in Christ. And here is what I'm saying. The Israelites were minding their business. And God was proactive. Picked a savior in Moses with the burning bush experience, and said, tell Pharaoh to let my people, what did he call the Israelites? My people, let my people go. That's adoption in a figure. He said, tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn, adoption. That's why when in Romans chapter 9, the first three verses, Paul was talking about what made the children of Israel special. He says, to whom pertained the adoption? So they were the first to be called, figuratively, the sons of God. And adoption is great. In adoption, there are a lot of privileges, a lot of miracles. Like the rod turned to serpents. Like the river turned into blood. Plague upon plague. Until eventually they're standing before the Red Sea. And at the stretch of the rod, the Red Sea is parted in front of them. They walk through that. At the other end, the Bible says, the moment they got into the other, to the other side, you know, Miriam and her friends burst into thanksgiving and singing. All of that is wonderful. But then, they get to Sinai. And God tells them, you saw all I did, how I carried you like an eagle bore you with eagle's wings, brought you out of Egypt and brought you here. It says, now, if you will obey my voice, I will make you a kingdom of priests. Listen, they already had a picture of adoption, but now he was bringing them to priesthood. Are you getting what I'm saying? The blessing was not for nothing. You've seen all that I've done. All my goodness in your life. Hopefully, you've come to a point of understanding and maturity so you can start thinking priesthood. That was God's plan. But guess what? They ran away from the responsibility. And 
the modern day church, it still has this problem. By the time God began to speak, they said, hey, 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 Moses, tell God not to speak to us again. Can you imagine that? Anything God wants to tell us, he should tell you to tell us. God said, I want you to be a kingdom of priests. They said, no, don't talk to us. Talk to Moses, let Moses talk to us. And this is the level of immaturity that even the church of Jesus Christ has where some people cannot even hear God, have zero sense of personal direction. Every direction they need, pastor must say, am I preaching or not? And thank God for divine direction. But two believers in the church would be in love, want to get married. You go home, tell daddy. Daddy will say, let me tell Baba so and so. And Baba so and so will always say, it's not the will of God if you are broke. Have you noticed? I'm breaking tables, Abby. Forget it. If you are just starting up, in your business, it can never be. It, Baba. <laughs> so the church is thousands of kilometers wide, but half an inch deep. We have no depth, no understanding, no maturity. Tell God not to speak to us. Anything he wants to tell us, let him tell Moses. Some of you act as if you need an intermediary. You've never really sought God's will for your own life, personally. You've never gotten any direction, personally. You don't hear God. No direction, no nudge. You've never been nudged by the Spirit to do something or not to do. Why? And you can be so active in church and so ineffective. Listen, he said, you are a royal priesthood. Do you know who a priest is? I'm coming to that. You need to understand who you are. And the same way God wrought many miracles for the children of Israel before he ever required anything of them. It's the same thing in the New Testament church and in salvation. Before you even knew you were a sinner, Jireh provided a sacrifice. So at the point you discovered you were a sinner, you also discovered a sacrifice had been made available. And glory be to God for that. You know, and you believe that, oh, you know, thank you, Father, for saving my soul. Ah, oh, you took on flesh, you died my death. In you I live, I move, I have my being and all of that. Glory to God, you've taken the stony heart out of my flesh. But you need to understand the proper response. There is a way to respond to the goodness of God. You don't trap it in selfishness. The goodness of God provokes in you a selflessness. Listen, many people, if they were in Peter's shoes and someone entered their boat... And on the person's account, they got a great catch. Ah, they will lock that person up. They will tie him in If you try it with the commercial-minded Christians that we have these days. Eh? Nah. This brother, I'm sorry, I'm saying. 
Okay, let me not use any accents. <laughs> but that's a money-making venture there. And you can be religious about it. God has provided. Some of us are so money conscious, that's why we get into trouble. See, when Peter saw the miracle, he was afraid to even touch it. He said, go away from me, sir. I'm, un I'm, I'm unclean. What is this? What type of miracle is this? And Jesus said, this is the part that many Christians miss. Jesus said, don't be afraid. From today, you will catch men. So Peter dropped his net and all the fish in it. That's the part many people don't say. He dropped the net and all the fish in it and followed Jesus. So the giver of the gift was exalted before his eyes. He realized if he could do this, I'll follow him. I will no longer care about my needs. As long as I'm with him, I'll be all right. And he followed him. That was the result Jesus expected. But many of us, from the great catch, we want another great catch. And then another great catch. I told you two weeks ago, when Jesus multiplies five loaves and two fish, and seven loaves and two fish, the third time, you want to make him king, he will say, no, I've done it twice before, but you are missing the point. I was hoping that at some point you will come to a point of maturity and stop seeking me for the bread that I give, but for the bread that I am. He said, I am the bread come down from heaven. Listen, many churches are still at the elementary phases. The goodness of God. And here is the tempting thing. It works once, twice. That's why they're not seeing a life of consistent miracles. Ah, God, I prayed this time it didn't work. Why? Some people don't know how to see consistent miracles in their lives. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So listen, if you stay at that elementary phase, miracles will happen just once in a while in your life. It will be trial and error. You'll be wondering why five loaves and two fish worked. Seven loaves and two fish worked. I tried the third time, it didn't work. It's time to grow up. It won't work again. It will not. Many people don't understand why it, would, it was a temptation for Jesus to turn bread, stone to bread, but it was not a temptation for him to turn water to wine. He never thought about that. Why was it a temptation to turn stone to bread? but not to turn water to wine. Because spiritual gifts have a purpose. People don't know this. They are not meant actually, fundamentally, for self-preservation. They are meant for service. Ah! If you learn this, it will change your life. It's not for self-preservation. So as Paul is teaching on spiritual gifts, this is a diversion. As Paul is speaking on spiritual gifts, he talks on spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Then he takes a diversion, just like the one I'm taking now, to tell you things that you will do that will make your flow in the spiritual gifts ineffective. He talks about two things. One of them he talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, the second in 1 Corinthians 14. There are two things that you must learn. Actually, the two are one. Two things you must learn about spiritual gifts to be effective in them. As powerful as tongues gifts are, See what he said in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. 
He says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. He says, I am, I am become as what? A sounding brass and a tingling cymbal, meaning epitalibo codreves. The tongues lose their essence if my motive is wrong. Oh my God. Are you with me? And then he begins to tell you about love. He says, love is not puffed up. Many people who have spiritual gifts and have no love, they are puffed up. They think that the demonstration of the gifts makes them better than the people that the gifts are meant to serve. Are you getting it? He says, love does not seek his own. So in spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are not self-serving. Many people just want miracles so that they can be better in their finance. Better, and God is saying, I've made you a priest. You know who a priest is? A priest has the responsibility to represent God to the people and represent the people to God. So there is a selflessness in priesthood. You are either representing God to the people and all the people to God. So who takes care of me? God does. This is powerful. Listen, I'm at talkless. I wish I had the time to break this down to you. Do you know? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So God's promise to the children of Israel was this. I will give you a land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, yes, Lord. Some people, what I just said is the totality of your Christian experience. God is taking me to a better day. Ah, I will not always have, you know, small money. Big money is coming. A bigger car. You know, and then you hear declarations every day in church. Amen. Amen. You know, and that's, that's all you're doing. But for the Levi, in Deuteronomy 18.1, it says the priest and the Levites, all the tribe of the Levites shall have no part nor inheritance. <laughs> no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his portion. Verse 2. Read it together, one to go. Therefore, they shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is what? Mind you, initially, this was God's plan for all Israel. Not just a sect, all. A brand of Christianity where the totality of my focus is on God. And let me tell you something. When the totality of your focus is on God, he will give you more than you would have had yourself. Ah, yeah, yeah. See, I don't, I'm tempted to tell you, listen, this is the secret of open doors, but that defeats the purpose. Don't desire priesthood <laughs> for, for riches. That defeats the purpose. Ah, yeah, 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 So like I said, priesthood is a step deeper. Okay, for instance, all the people of Israel required one sacrifice. 
and that was the sin offering. But for priesthood, three was required, and I will tell you why. You have to see how this prefigured what we have in Christ. All right, so for references, you can study at home. Please study it. Exodus chapter 29 from verse 1 to 4. Then study also verse 15 to 18 and from verse 19 to 28. So they were to sacrifice a bull and two rams. All right? The bull was for sin offering. You see that from verse 10 to 14. For sin offering. And then two rams. The first was for burnt offering. The second was for ordination offering. Now here's the point. The bull, of course, sin offering represents Christ. Christ is the Lamb of God, isn't he, right? No other lamb is required. So, um, sin offering, oh, thank you, Lord. You died my death. In you I live and move and have my being. You've taken away the stony heart out of my flesh. I'm alive to you. Glory to God. I walk in the newness of life. New creation realities. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. You love me so much. In your mercy and in your grace, you died for me. You provided a lamb for yourself in Christ. Glory to God. Some people, that's the totality of their Christian revelation. But Paul sets out in the book of Romans to explain in Christ's realities. Then he comes to chapter 12. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, in he says, oh, well, another translation says, in view of the mercies of God. This says, by the mercies of God. The mercies of God talk about his sacrifice in his Christ. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I told you, in the message of the gospel, it's not just something to receive, but something to emulate. You receive the provisions of the sacrifice of God. Oh, your Christ died for me. I'll never die again. Thank you for the lamb. Thank you for your blood. But in consecration, there is another sacrifice required. Just like in the Old Testament, everybody needed one sacrifice. The priests, the, the priesthood needed more. Are you getting what I'm saying? So there is one required in salvation, another in priesthood, and this time around it is not Christ, it is you. In view of the message of God, present your bodies. Living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I emulate the sacrifice of God. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. He surrendered himself to the plans of God, and God took him. Wherefore, God also... Imagine that was your mindset to Christianity. Let me tell you this. One of the biggest lies told the church is that there is nothing you can do for God. It's a big lie. It's a big lie. I, I know what it's like to visit great men. Maybe you visited a mentor. Have you had a mentor who is very rich? He has everything and it's his birthday. You want to appreciate him and you don't know what to buy. Have you had that experience before? And you know, you just, when you go to his house, you see all his cars, you see all he has, and you're just like, you know, sir, I just bought this wine. <laughs> wine is the easy escape for most of us. So, you know, <laughs> and then we say, uh, I have nothing to give you, but I just wanted to appreciate you for all you do. Is that not what we do? 
Now, picture that in your Christian experience. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. What can you give to him? Imagine you have the opportunity, the privilege to stand before his throne. It can be intimidating. Everyone who had any divine encounter, even with angels, the angel had to say first and foremost, fear not. Virtually all the times angels appear, they had to start by saying fear not because there is something intimidating about their presence. Why? Because everything God owns, he rubs off his presence on them. And when anything human or material encounters anything that belongs to God, they are designed to respond as if it were God. So there is something intimidating about anything from the presence of God. They have to tell you, calm down, fear not. You know? Isaiah finds himself in the throne room, Isaiah chapter 7. You know, oh, you see, the, he's intimidated, just like in the house of a rich man. <laughs> They're wondering, ah, this chair is fine. If I sit now, what will spoil? Uh, before, before I sit now, AC will spoil now. <laughs> and you're just careful. You know, Isaiah was intimidated like that. He just found himself in the throne room of God, and the first thing he, shout, he started shouting, Woe is me, I'm in trouble. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst people of unclean lips. See, the power of God makes, helps you see insufficiency in yourself. An angel stretches to him, puts um, a coal of fire on his lips. Sign of atonement. Then you can imagine how he's feeling. Huh? You feel out of place there. Then to your shock, the God of creation, the owner of all things, says, who shall go for us? Whom shall I send? You know, yeah, that, no, 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 I didn't hear right. God needs something. God need, there is something I can do for God. There is something I can do for God. You know, many people, in the, when you watch their Christian relationship, you wonder who is God between them and God. Because it is God that is serving. Always protecting, providing. That's your prayer every day. But it takes maturity to realize in the place of prayer, God also has prayer points. You, you don't understand me. Listen, there are things that God cannot do for himself. He's seeking a man. You claim to love him. You claim to love him. But you've never asked, what, 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 how, how can I serve you? How? You've not asked. And there are people he's seeking to reach. There's the utopian eunuch seeking to understand. And God knows that if the utopian eunuch catches this message, the country is going to change. But you, the time you should have studied, you were sleeping. So even if he drags you like he dragged Philip, you have nothing to teach. Because you know 100 scriptures on divine provision, none on spiritual exegesis, none on redemption. You don't understand redemptive realities. You are in church, you are so full of pettiness. You pray every day, but your prayer is nothing. And you wonder why spiritual gifts don't work. Listen. Ah, yeah, yeah. I said there are two things that Paul said makes Spiritual gifts ineffective. This first is lack of love, right? In chapter 14, he said, he that prophesies is greater than he that speaks in tongues. You're wondering, all spiritual gifts are great. 
So what's he talking about? He said, because he that prophesies, prophesies to the edification of the church. So listen, anything that benefits the church makes me more important. So if I, he says, it's good that you speak in tongues. I speak in tongues too. Pray that you prophesy. Pray that you interpret. He says, seek to excel to the edification of the church. Let me tell you this. If you start desiring spiritual gifts so that you can serve, you will discover it will rise. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He says, you shall receive power after that Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be what? You, you don't want to witness. You don't want to evangelize. You don't want to tell anybody. You want the power just for self-seeking purposes. That's why it's not working. Because God sees through your motives. He says, you pray and you don't receive because you pray that you may consume it upon your lusts. That means the motive matters. Let me show you something. Open your Bible, 1 Kings. First Kings chapter 3 from verse 5. Are you with me? <laughs> this will bless your life. First Kings chapter 3 from verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown me great mercy. You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because you walked before, because he walked before you in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made me your made me your servant king, made me your servant king instead of my father David. But I'm a little child; I do not know how to go in or come out. He says. And your servant is, the midst, is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. And who is able to judge these great people of yours? Verse 10, everybody read together, want to go. <laughs> it says, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. There is a type of prayer that pleases God. God can be impressed by your priorities. Did you hear what I said? Look at what he said. Verse 11, then God said to him, because you asked this thing and have not asked for long life. Listen, does God want you to live long? But God was impressed he didn't ask for long life. Ah. Listen, this program is deeper. Right? So I'm letting you know that people are different spectrums of spiritual experience. Someone comes to a pool, is at the shallow end. Someone is swimming at the, swimming at the deep end. They are both in the same pool. That's the picture of the church. So if you are praying for long life, you are not wrong. After all, it is God that asked you, what do you want? If you pray for money, you are not wrong. If you pray, enemies die, die, die. He said that. You look at what he said. You have not asked for long life for yourself, nor asked for riches for yourself, nor asked for the life of your enemies. All that people are praying for in the church, God is impressed that Solomon did not ask. Amen. 
He says, but you have asked for yourself understanding to descend justice. You were selfless enough to realize I'm doing something amongst my people and you want to be a part of it. God said, I'm impressed. And this is what he said. <laughs> Behold, I've done according to your word. See, I've given you a wise and understanding heart so that there will be not long like you before you, you know, after you shall arise. Verse 13. And I have also given you what you have not asked. Uh. You tap into the best of God with selflessness. It says, those who save their lives shall lose it. It says, but those who lose their lives for my sake and for the gospels will find it. That's a secret. It's the paradox of the kingdom. Those who are pursuing the things of this world only find a small portion of it. But those who say, you know what, God... What are you doing on the earth? I want to hear your heartbeat. I want to hear your heart cry. I want to pant in the direction of your heartbeat. I want to, like Jesus, be selfless enough to give up my privileges, take on the form of servitude, serve you, so that you also. He says he resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. This is the kingdom. Lot and Abraham were both children of God. Lot was a hustler. Just hustle, hustle, picked Sodom. And then, as if God on purpose, he did it on purpose. He said, when you are living, don't carry anything. <laughs> he said, if you look back, don't look back. Don't carry anything. Go like that. That's your lesson. Go, don't carry anything. <laughs> the way you left Abraham should be going back like that. Be going back. <laughs> Are you listening to me? This is so important. I want to propose to you a better approach to Christian experience. Look at Matthew 6.33. I know you know it. Some of you have even abused this. Your motives are wrong. Listen, if you seek God first so that all other things will be added, you are seeking other things first. You are still missing the fundamental principle of selflessness. He gave you his life. You must live for him. That's the, that's the contract. Read your contracts. Read your contract agreement. Read the terms of salvation well. Read it well. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ. He says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how to live. 
So you, 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 you have to get a globe, look at the earth and say, God, what are you doing? How can I contribute? I can't claim to love you and care less. I can't do that. I can't be in a room. Listen, if God should say, whom shall I send in the church? Nobody will hear. We're all praying, die, die, die. Nobody will hear. We're obsessed with what we want God to do. <laughs> this pain affects every aspect of our life. It, if you learn what I'm teaching you, it will change your prayer life. I hardly pray for myself. Hardly. Hardly. See, and God blesses me with, it takes it personal. Did, did you hear what I said? This is a better way to pray. The man God uses is a selfless man. Priests. So, this is a better approach to prayer. Be conscious of the fact that you must represent God to people. Imagine you had that focus. That the people around me must benefit from the dividends of the wealth of my work with God. It's a totally different mindset. And it will change your life. When Job prayed for his friends, all his prayers were answered. It's a better way. That's why you miss it with God. Listen, he already knows all your needs. And if you think that if you're not obsessed with your needs, your needs will not be met, you don't know God. How about you just enlist yourself in his army? Different priorities. Listen, if you choose to remain a child, he will keep blessing you. That's the funny thing. But they are different. Listen, Paul talks about the army of Christ, metaphorically. He says, a soldier is not overwhelmed with the affairs of civilians. <laughs> Imagine, the people is talking about civilians. Children of God are also among them. But some people are different. There are some secrets God will not tell a consumer. That's just a consumer now. What will you use it for? What will you use it for? So, Abraham is not in Sodom. He knows Sodom will be destroyed. Lot is in Sodom. He does not know. Are you getting what I'm saying? In Abraham news. Lot did not know. Is what I'm saying. So, what if God can use you to reach your family. You know, when I travel out, travel around preaching, I wonder, I, I can imagine, I can feel God's heartbeat because there's so much oppression. The devil is holding sway because the church is refusing to grow. At Bowen University, you know, Pastor Shola went with me and said, Pastor, in this school, you cast out more demons than you have done in one year. And it was true. Did you hear what I said? Let me tell you something. If you don't grow, people will suffer. Many of them will be your loved ones. 
Because I saw people, you know, the cases they had, doctors have an explanation for it. God bless doctors. Thank God for them. Doctors are divine intervention. God, listen, Bezalina and Holyab, they are people that God puts in them wisdom, skill to bless humanity. Doctors are among, but they are just some things. A lady said she had bipolar disorder. I placed my hand on her. A masculine voice spoke out. Ah, yeah, yeah. He said, no, I'm not coming out. No, 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 it's not possible. I said, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I felt sorry for the young boys that were there in the office. (laughs) That, their dream, you know, because, you know, there was a lady, the demon in her used to make her eat hair from her armpits. If you see her, very beautiful. So now, if you, if you, if you take her for a checkup, they say, this is schizophrenic, you know? Baba. <laughs> Are you listening to me? There were three people bedwetting, and it was demons. I'm not telling you what I... The demons spoke. Everybody heard it. I'm not guessing. So, so now the work is so plenty, so much. The people I'm talking about are church-going people. Are you listening to me? Ah, bear the burdens of God. Bear the burdens of God. Bear the burdens of God. Grow up. Grow up. What if you knew (laughs) that if you, listen, he, he said about the Levites, he says, I will be your inheritance. Do you know what that means? That's priesthood. So, even in the priesthood in Christ, stop thinking what you can gather. Leave that for people. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Leave that for people. Leave that for people. See, there are many things I can do. Believe me sincerely, I enjoy using my mind. I'm creative. I like to think I'm intelligent. And then when I graduated, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there was this great sense of burden. You might not be called to the same type of ministry that I'm called to. Make no mistake, all right, Cornelius did not leave the military because he was filled with the spirits. Because there are people to be reached in the force. Are you getting what I'm saying? The Ethiopian eunuch did not leave accounting because he was filled with the spirits. Because there are people to be reached in that sphere of influence. But what is most important is the consciousness Beyond your stomach, don't let your God be your belly. Start thinking about God, his plan. By the time we start doing it, we will shake this world. Let me tell you what I noticed. Behind every supernatural encounter is the prayer of the saints. The prayer of the saints. So if we get more selfless, all these prayers we are always firing on our own head every day. If we start praying for the church, praying for the spread of the gospel, there will be, listen, there will be an outbreak of angelic encounters. 
there will be more dramatic. Check it in heaven. I am sure that it was on account of the prayer of some people that Saul was converted. Everywhere angels showed up, someone was praying. From the story of Daniel, ah, yeah, yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? From the story of Daniel to the New Testament to Peter in prison, it was the church praying. We're already a praying church. It's just the priority of our prayer that needs to change. Hallelujah. If you give God your lifetime, <laughs> He will take care of you. <laughs> he will never ever let you down. If you give God. <laughs> and we will see more miracles. We will see more miracles. He says, is any sick amongst you? Let them call the elders. It says the prayer of faith will save the sick. All the mysteries of healing, you are using it only for yourself. That's why the power is not growing. How about you develop the genuine compassion for others? And then he also said, pray for us that the word of God may have free course and be glorified as it is among you. He says, pray also that we'll be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. He says, because all men have not faith. So imagine you began to um, you, you began to pray for people who don't have the liberty you have to come out on an evening like this to hear the word of God. People are hiding in rocks to have service, hiding in rocks to pray. What if you began to pray for them? People are imprisoned, not because they stole, but because they preached. In the world today. And it says, remember those who are bound as though you were bound to. As though you were bound to. What if our prayers changed? Have you noticed it is very difficult to pray the way most churches pray using the material of the New Testament alone? It tells us that we developed a mode of prayer that is foreign to the New Testament church. Foreign. 90% of the prayers of most churches have to come from the Old Testament. They must. They must. Because where are you going to see all those things? Imagine if you would only pray the way the early church prayed. The first thing you will notice is that there is a change of mindset. When you want to pray like Paul, there's a problem. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks to God for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What am I praying for? That the enemy falls down and dies? No! But for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So in New Testament revelation, knowledge is important so that we can grow, recognize priesthood, be more responsible and march on as a church for Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you. If you will do this, many of the things you are pursuing will pursue you. Listen, <laughs> many people look at my life and desire with greed what I got by consecration. Did you hear what I said? If God can find a man like Abraham today, it will take sacrifice to even be great in God's plan. If he tells you, 
leave your kindred, go to a place, eh? Because we are growing in religion, but we are not growing in obedience. <laughs> when you say, I want to go, you know, it's church people that will advise it. Go where? The man God uses. God wants you to launch you to a realm. <laughs> At some point in the future, Nebuchadnezzar will not be able to interpret his dreams. He will need help. And only intimacy will have the answer to that question. Did you hear what I said? Only intimacy. Only intimacy. And when you learn this, even your business will change. You know, there's, there's someone we have in the Lagos church. He dreams. And in the dream, he had a product. He saw a product. He woke up, started producing, he started selling it, and his life changed. Did you hear what I said? Because in a place of intimacy, God now tells Agabus, a drought is coming, a famine is coming, you prepare. I've told you this before, and it changed my life. We were in a prayer meeting, four of us, years ago, and then one of the guys who came from the U.S. and was in that prayer meeting, he said, I saw a vision and I saw influential people hoarding dollars. Hoarding dollars. He said, um, the exchange rate is about to skyrocket. Two weeks after, are you listening to me? That was the first time ever that dollar was 500 to 1. Two weeks after. I give myself away. Oh God, I keep myself away. So you, we have just few minutes, make it count. I keep myself away. Oh God, oh God. So you can use me. you this. Don't joke. If you will pray tonight, be careful what you ask for. 
Many of you are about to have real encounters. Real encounters. Real encounters. It comes at a cost. Don't be the rich young ruler who will come on his own. Ask Jesus, what can I do? Then he tells you the responsibility, then you go away. Don't do that. Because by the time you say you want consecration and he tells you don't travel to Canada again, I have work for you here. You best be ready. But know one thing for sure, you will do more here. That's when you will know. It's not about location, it's about who is with you. But you have to have a certain level of trust. Paul said, I know whom I've believed. I know he's able to keep that which I've committed to him. You're going to pray a prayer right now. Father, I scatter all my plans. All my plans. All those business plans I, I scatter. I surrender to you. Your plan reveal what you will have me do. Just like you said, whom shall I send? Whatever you will ask me to do, I will do. Begin to pray right now. Begin to pray right now. I surrender my plans to you. I surrender my plans to you. I would say no to you. I'm ready to obey. I'm ready to align. I'm ready to follow. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Samanda Ratom Sapatakaya, Lekora de Lipete Kose, Satonge Sapaya. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. I want to pray. I want you to pray another prayer. You see, I was in about 400 level, 300 level when the Lord already had a sense of responsibility on me. He said, son, if you are not serious with me, he said, people will suffer. Just imagine I succumb to pressure. Just imagine I picked a bank job somewhere. Will I be different from some of you? Is it no pressure? I also want to feed my family. Imagine I just picked a bank job, had, you know, company car, you know. And some people, that's the path God has given them. That's not my path. He said, if you are not serious with me, he said, people will suffer. He says, too many people depend on your graces for you to be mediocre. Listen, and that's the mentality of priesthood. A normal Christian can go maybe two days without praying and feel all right. And feel all right. But there is a level of responsibility you can't afford to. You can't afford to. Because to whom much is given, much is required. So from today, you can't, you can't go a day without praying. You cannot. Listen, you have no consciousness of priesthood if you do that. A whole day without praying and you feel all right. 
Father, from today, if you need a man, I'll be available. Begin to pray. From today, I make a pledge as you would help me that if you need a man, if you need someone, if you are looking through the earth, looking for someone whose heart will be inclined to your desire, you will find me. You will find me. May you never look my way and have to look away. From today, I become more conscious of priesthood. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I will prepare myself. I will prepare my heart. I will pray. I will be full of your spirits. I'll pay the price. I separate myself a vessel unto honor. I consider myself a soldier, not a civilian. I refuse to intermeddle with the affairs of civilians. My life has a different focus, a different purpose. right now. Thank you, Lord. mighty name we have prayed thank you Lord Zamando Patas Evenento Sipetekos Dalato Krasipi Zuse Venons and Tongs Zataya they're going to pray another prayer Lord from today if you need someone to deliver a message, I will be ready. See, when you align your heart this way, secrets start coming to you. God will only tell people secrets. Who will do something about it? Lord, a message for this nation, a message for my community, a message for my office. If you need someone, I will be ready. I'll give you a few minutes for that. Pray that prayer right now. prayed. You're going to pray this prayer. It says, Wherefore come out from amongst them and be ye separate, ye that bear the vessels of the Lord. 
Lord, every association that will not allow me to fulfill my destiny in you, I separate myself from it. Begin to pray that prayer right now. Any association that will not allow me to fulfill my destiny in you, I separate myself from it. I separate myself from it. I separate myself. I separate myself. I separate myself. I separate myself. May I never choose any friend above you. I separate myself. And some the And some bond the In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. Let me tell you this. Sometimes it's not about the current of electricity, it's about the quality of the material. There are some materials called insulators. So an insulator might have a lot of current flowing through it and it will have less impact on the material because it is insulated. So what we are doing as we are praying, you are letting go of impurities. See, some of you, you will begin to manifest the power of God like never before. It will shock you. Because it wasn't really about less power or more power. There were just some things that did not allow that power find expression. Some of you right now, as you're talking, as I'm talking to you, you feel the power of God flowing through your body. That's, that's, that's consecration manifesting you. And the final prayer you pray is yourself. Paul says, I put my body under, bringing it to subjection, lest after I've preached to others, I myself be a castaway. Lord, every ego every desire for the applause of men, every lust that will limit the impact of my ministry, I bring them under now in the mighty name of Jesus. I present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Pray that prayer to God right now. Pray that prayer right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I bring my body under. Bring it to subjection. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Some of you, that prayer has abominated the relationship you're in. 
I'm only saying it as a confirmation because God told you as we prayed. There are some relationships you see. Stop asking silly questions. You know the answer. Don't ask God. You know the answer. There is a life that you would live that makes, see, it's not just wrong choice. Some people are not, are, some people are good enough for the normal man or for the normal woman. But priesthood, it requires more. It requires more. Priesthood requires more. Daily as I live, Often as I bring my whole life be expression daily as I live. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000 Blessings.